0: guys doing this morning? I got the lights in my eyes. Can't see. Is everybody there? Okay, good. All right. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to everybody who's online. Uh, We got a camera in the back. Most of you guys know this by now, but we have a lot of people when they're out sick or struggling with COVID or feel like there's, you know, um, don't, can't be here for whatever reason. We just want to make sure that what we do is still available to them as well. And we also, in case you don't know, that is on our website. So if there's a message that you missed and you're like, uh, he he mentioned, you know, from a previous message and you want to check that out, we have that online where you can watch it. Also, we have PDFs. Every sermon I do, um, I create a PDF. So what you see in the slideshow with scripture references, that kind of stuff, is there and is available for you guys as well. So if you want to take a look at that, you can download that and study into it a little bit more. Um, I started a couple weeks ago a series called A Study in Spiritual Gifts. And so I'm excited. This is one of my, my most favorite sermons to preach uh, I've been preaching for 30-something years, and every time I get to do this and talk about what I'm going to talk about today, I get excited about it. And I really got excited this morning because I felt like you know, part of the worship service where this, this sense of, God, you've called us to do something that seems like it's impossible, and yet you still call us to do it. And there's just something about that, that awakening inside of us that, God, whatever this is, is so crazy that you called us to do, this being a part of the kingdom, and however you fit, and I fit into that, and the local church fits into it, That God still says, I want you to do it. You're like, but it's impossible. And you're like, I know. That's why I want you to do it, right? If you don't stay connected to me, the impossible will be impossible. But as long as you stay connected to me, if you're listening to me, if you're in relationship with me, anything and everything he has called us to do is not only possible, it's probable. It's going to happen. And the only indicator, the only thing that the enemy can do is to lie to us and tell us we can't do it. And if you believe that lie, then that's where you, that's where you lose it. But if you if you refuse to believe the lie and say, "Listen, I don't care what you say. God has called me to this. I'm going to do it." That that sense of I am going to co-labor with the Lord. He brings everything that is necessary to fulfill that call in your life. So I'm excited about that. I was thinking about during worship time. Uh, Paul made a statement to a king when he was witnessing to this king, and he said, he said to, it was King Agrippa, and he said, he said I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. He got called on the Damascus road, God knocked him off his donkey. Has he has this encounter with the living Christ? God calls him into ministry to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and he told this king, he said, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. There's one time where he, he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. This prophet comes and, and binds, takes his belt off his sash and binds his hands. And he said, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what is going to happen to you. And he said, I am not only ready to be bound, I'm ready to die for the gospel. You know why? I will not be disobedient to this heavenly vision. And when you have that inside of you, there's something about that that the enemy just cannot do anything about. You become dangerous in the kingdom. You become dangerous uh, against the enemy, enemies of darkness, whatever that looks like. The influences in this world, in your workplace, in schools, in politics, or wherever you feel the, the enemy pressing in. You become dangerous when that attitude rises up inside of you and says, "No, God says I can do it. I'm going to be able to do it." So, anyway, I'm excited about this. So, as we go into this study on spiritual gifts, we talked originally about these three basic types of gifts. Oftentimes, when you hear spiritual gifts talked about, you—if you grew up charismatic or Pentecostal—it's only uh, 1 Corinthians 12. You know, it's the, it's the, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it's uh, prophecy and tongues and interpretation and words of knowledge and wisdom and, and you know and 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 faith and 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 all. all it's that's all you think about. But that's not. All of the spiritual gifts in the Bible. If you grew up outside of a Pentecostal charismatic kind of background, you typically think the, the grace you think of grace gifts like the um, gift of hospitality or the gift of le- leadership or the gift of giving, and, and the list goes on and on. A gift of administration. All these gifts that we talked a little bit about when we first uh, jumped this off. And those grace gifts help us build into serving in the grace teams. That's why we call them grace teams at, at DCF. And we want you to sign up. Listen, if you, don't, if you haven't figured this out by now at DCF, there's no such thing as a spectator at DCF. You can spectate for a little while. If you need healing and you want to like, you know what, I need to kind of um, gather myself together. I, I kind of got beat up out there for a little, a little while. I need some rest. need some ministry. Totally okay. But one of the things we challenge you to do is very quickly begin to use your strength and your gift, the thing that God has made you to be. Begin to use that for the sake of the kingdom, especially in the local church. And what you're going to see is everything that God's promising promi- promising you is coming through your work in the kingdom right? If you, if you don't have a mindset of the kingdom, if you don't seek the kingdom first, why would you expect all these things that Jesus talked about to be given to you? You can't. So it's connected to the kingdom. It's connected to serving. So I, I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a grace team, um, t- take a look online. That's where we kind of list them right now. You can, you can go online and find those. Find something that fits. If you're not sure where you might fit, your, your gifts might fit, have a conversation with a leader and we'll help point you in the dr- right direction and get you going. Um, but what happens is when that occurs, when you begin to serve, God begins to release Himself, His grace into you. And then through the, the gifts as you serve, He begins to release those gifts out of you. So there are three basic types of gifts. Um, the one I didn't mention was the five-fold ministry gifts. Um, if you grew up in a cessationist church where you know the things of the Spirit were kind of relegated to the first century church and establishing the church, then you believe in the threefold ministry gifts. <laughs> right? Pastor, teacher, and evangelist. We got no place for apostles and prophets. We don't understand. So we're just going to ignore those for a hundred years and see what happens. But thankfully, God has been restoring those fivefold ministry gifts in the fullness and how they relate, not just to, to the kingdom, but how they relate to one another and how they relate to, to, to you. And that's what I want to talk about today and really go after is what these fivefold ministry gifts look like, how they work. So one of the things we said about all of the gift sets, all of the types of gifts, there are three common threads that we see throughout all these gifts. One is the unity of the body is always the priority. If you see uh, manifestation gifts that are self-absorbed and selfish, then you are reading the book of 1 Corinthians. Because <laughs> literally, Paul came to this church and he said, you're not missing any single gift. Go read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. However, your, your meetings are doing more harm than good think about that statement for a second. Have you ever been in a church service that you felt like there is more harm going on here than good? I have, been in, I have led that church service, okay? <laughs> I've not just been in it. I, I, I got started in ministry in my early 20s, so I made a lot of mistakes. And especially in the things of the Spirit, you can mess up really, really bad if you don't have instruction, if you don't have some maturity in that. So it's helpful to understand that unity is always the, the top priority of the gifts. The fivefold ministry gifts, obviously the grace gifts to build the unity of the, of the church. They're given for the service to others. That's what you should always do. To always be into the service of others and reflect the nature of God. If they don't look like Jesus, if they don't look like God, then you're probably doing something wrong. And so we talked about the common threads. And I want to bring an understanding this morning of why all these gifts are imperative, especially as we go into the five-fold ministry gifts. Because remember, we talked about the five-fold ministry gifts are not given to everybody. Those are, those are some. Those are, not everybody gets the fivefold ministry gifts. It doesn't, those gifts do not set you above in terms of you have more value or you're more important or any of those things. We're going to talk about that as well. So just kind of keep that in mind as we go forward. The understanding is that all of these gifts work together to bring us into the mission that God has called us to in this earth. If you don't know what that mission is, it's it's very simple. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost, right? And then he said to the church that that you should leave the 99 and go after the one. So church is not just about church. This meeting that we're having as the church is a meeting to help us walk into the mission that God's called us to. Too often, churches turned out all about me. It's all about meeting my needs. This morning, God was really speaking into, hey, if you've been discouraged, I want to encourage you. But it's not just so you can be encouraged, right? It's so you can be encouraged and fulfill the call and the mission and be equipped for the work of the ministry that God has given you. And most of that ministry you're going to find finds its greatest fulfillment in the mission that Jesus has called us to, which is to reach people who don't know him. That's the biggest the biggest thing we want to understand. So before I jump into this, we're gonna um, I'm doing this kind of in sync with some things that are happening in our church. Karen mentioned you know we we started with grace gifts. We're gonna open up to community and small groups here shortly, uh, and that's a part of how you get together and you work together with your gifts and your strengths to bring about what God's called us to in this um, in this uh, city and this region. But uh, we're also adding to our eldership team. So. Um, I, I'm announcing we're going to be installing new elders and new deacons on February the 13th, so it's coming up quick. And so just a quick kind of synopsis of that: uh, we're getting new elders. Uh, Alan Mitchell and Diane Mitchell are coming on team. Alan was a, a single guy on the team, and then he went and got Twitterpated and. Got married, and so now they're going to come on as a couple on our eldership team. And Dave and Callie Woodham are going to be stepping onto our eldership team as well. So we're excited about these two couples coming on board. Um, Been around for a while, and so uh, obviously we see the the recognition and revelation that God has given us to that. And so, how we bring uh, elders on board is important. That's why on February the 13th, we've invited uh, part of the Apostolic Prophetic Team from Northlands, um, our, our relating church, one of our relating churches, to come in. And appoint um, these elders in our midst, and we do that for a bunch of reasons, but one big reason is so that it doesn't turn into the good old boys club where, you know, Karen and I like we, like, we like the Mitchells and we like the Woodhams, so we're going to bring them on team, right? Because <laughs> they do what we tell them. Right? <laughs> so part of the reason you have that apostolic prophetic team, uh, translocal ministry outside is to ensure that that doesn't happen. So it, it, it comes out of this recognition and revelation from people who are not even part of your church to say, yeah, obviously they, they feel, fulfill the requir- requirements in Timothy and Titus, but when we look at them, we sense that God has called these guys to lead in this role in the church. So we're going to be bringing those guys on team. We're also going to be bringing on some new deacons. Part of this is you guys are looking around, going, "Dear God, how many leaders do you need for the ten people who are in the room right now?" Right? <laughs> and part of the reason why we're doing this is in in concert with the word of the Lord over our church that we're about to explode in growth, and so we've been dreaming. Um, you know, most most of you guys know the story prior to COVID. Uh, we were ready to launch into two services, hire some new staff, and we were ready to just go for broke and see transformed lives all of our city, just more and more impact, and COVID hit and kind of took everybody's legs out from under them. So we're regrouping, but the promise of the Father about what he's doing is not just growth for growth's sake, but every person, every new person who's sitting in this room is a new sphere of influence. First of all, their lives have been transformed. And then they become a sphere of influence in their, or become uh, influence in their sphere of influence, in their family, in their friends, in the place they work. And the gospel has greater impact and reaches more. So that's what we're doing, why we're bringing on a whole lot of new leaders. With deacons, part of the, what the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 is to, um, to, 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 Uh, yeah, to bring those from among you, choose from among you. They said, choose seven people, seven guys from among you, and we're going to make those guys deacons. That's what the elders said of the Jerusalem church. So part of the process with deacon is you guys get to choose. You look around and say, hey, uh, and it's not a popularity contest. Um, It's not about service, because most people at DCF serve. So if we were going to make make the the you know the requirement service then probably half of the people if not 95% of the people in DCF would be deacons right but part of that is again this recognition that they love the unity of the body that they have a heart to serve that they feel uh, again the requirements of Timothy and Titus and and we're we're going to send out a letter with all this information so you don't have to remember it but you choose from among you People that you think should be deacons. It can be single. It can be single people. It can be um, um, it can be couples. Um, deacons, there's no problem. You feel like someone who, who's a, uh, uh, if it's a woman, if you feel oh you can't have women deacons. No, the Bible speaks to, to women leadership, and that's a whole sermon series for another day. So if you feel like that's the case, send that in to me. Come up to me and tell me about it. Talk to one of our leaders. Make that suggestion. We will pray about that as an eldership team. We're going to have a conversation with them. And then we're going to, at some point on February the 13th, we're going to appoint both elders and deacons, and we're going to be off the races. So, sound like fun? <laughs> so that's part of, don't, don't forget, there's part of that you play into that. So definitely let us know. So a lot of things going on on at, at DCF. Like I said, the growth in the sense of, God, where are you going? What are you doing in the local church? And so as we speak into these spiritual gifts, the study in spiritual gifts, part of the question is, how does the local church Fulfill the mission that God has called us to, right? And so we talked about grace gifts. Part of that is you discovering your gifting, your gift set. What has God called you to do? To do that other people may, may not necessarily be good at? What are you passionate about that maybe others aren't passionate about? And so you discover those grace gifts, you discover these things in the Bible, and then you begin to live that out in teams, in connection with the mission and the vision of a local church. And then if you think of the local church as a bus, to use an example from a, a book uh, about 10, 15 years ago, about uh, the example of a bus, the elders are the ones driving the bus. And it's always elders with an S, it's always plural, I'm going to get into that. But, but somebody is leading the bus, right? You ever go on and get on a bus, and I've done this in Chicago, and on the front of the bus it says it's going to this street, and then I get on the bus, and then you ever see someone who's mad that it's going to the wrong street? They're like, I can't believe, why are we here? I don't understand why we're here. And the bus driver's like, what are you talking about? Look at the sign on the front of the bus. <laughs> this is where we're going, right? So you can get mad if you want, but it's better to get off that bus and get on the right bus, right? What's not good is you run up and grab the steering wheel from the bus driver. Probably not helpful even in Chicago, right? So don't do that. And so, part of the fivefold ministry gifts, <clears throat> as we kind of go in this and understanding this, is helpful to understand how all of this fits together. So, I'm going to start this morning with a big, big picture. Greg did a great job last week if you were here talking about the attendance of the bride using bridal language to talk about the relationship between Jesus, the attendance of the bride, or the ministry of the church, and the bride, which is, you know, everybody else. And so I'm just going to show you a quick picture um, of what that kind of looks like. At the top is the groom. You see, and that's going to be Jesus, obviously. You can you can see the G and use it for God. That's fine. Uh, the attendance are the fivefold ministry gifts. And we're going to get into that in just a second. Of course, the bride. And so... This is kind of the symbol we use. i want to put that next one up there, the next slide. Um, thank you. And then this comes from a passage in Ephesians, this fivefold ministry gift. And we're going to just kind of talk about that for a second. This is Ephesians 4.11. So it says, and he himself, this is Jesus, he gave these gifts to the body, to the church right? These gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It goes on, verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and it talks about for how long it's supposed to happen. It says, uh, for the edifying of the body, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here's how I know there's five-fold ministry gifts still working today. (laughs) Let me go back and read it. Are you already unit, complete unity in the faith, complete knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? And I, I'm just saying we're not, okay? So these gifts, they exist to help bring us into that maturity as the body of Christ. So it's important that we understand that. People cannot appoint themselves these gifts. That's one reason why in the body, when we, when we say, oh, the Mitchells and the, and, and the Woodhams are going to come on team, everybody in our body or in our church is going, it's about time, Dave, how long is it going to take you to recognize what God's doing in their life? Because we all recognize it when we see it. It's not just us saying, we like the Mitchells and the Woodhams always tell us what we like to hear, right? That's not how leaders, well, that is how some leadership works, and we're going to get to that in a second. But it's not how the kingdom works, and so it's important to understand how this tension works in the body. It's not titles. It's not you, you follow someone because they have a title or a position, but it's a gift and it's a role that God has called people to play in our body. So there's an interesting relationship, and, and the purpose behind this is super intention or super intentional because it's held in tension with these two truths. So I'm going to put these up here and just, and just kind of quote these. This is really interesting when you understand this, that as five-fold ministry gifts, as we exist in the body in this way, we are the servants of the bride, but the bride is not our master. Does that make sense? So we serve you, our eldership team. We're going to serve you, our deacon team. We're going to serve you as the body of Christ, but you don't get to tell us what to do. That's not how this works, (laughs) right? But the flip side of that is also true. The bride is expected expected to submit to us as elders in a healthy perspective. We're going to get into that in just a second. But we are not your Lord. You have one Lord. His name is Jesus, and we're not him. And that's why Paul said to one church, he said, he said, I was so excited that you gave yourselves first to the Lord and then to us. So that's how we think in our church. When these guys come on team as elders in our church, they have given themselves first to the Lord, which means they're not going to be yes men to me. They're not going to come in and tell me what I I want to hear. They understand fully that their job is to hear from the Lord as part of this team and come alongside Karen and I as we are leading as leading elders to, to bring the perspective that God is trying to bring as a plurality of elders to hear what the voice of God is saying to our church and to administrate it. That's what God is calling us to. So it's really, really important that we understand how this works. So the attendants, um, five-fold ministry gift elders are called to equip, and we point you to Jesus. Often, someone, I'll come off the platform and they'll go, Dave, man, that was such a great message. Oh, praise your holy name. Like, they don't say that, but they're kind of enamored a little bit because it's bringing health and wholeness, and they're going, "Ah, oh, you pointed to Jesus, so beautiful. And if I'm not careful, what they're doing is the affection that they feel for Jesus, they'll start trying to give it to me. And I have to be very careful as a leader, very careful as a leader to say, thank you, what I'm doing, it it, it has a cost involved, right? It costs to, to do what I do. But thank you so much for that. But isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he amazing? And I just take them and go, hey, listen, I know I'm the attendant he left to serve you, but focus your eyes again on him. He's amazing, isn't he? as long as we do that, it creates this humility and this, this beautiful, powerful, amazing, gifted person who is also full of humility and recognizes the place that is held in tension in them. So I'm just going to show you a quick picture. This is really helpful to understand. From this, this big picture of, of Jesus, the bridegroom at the top, the groom, the bride down here, and then, um, and then the attendance of the bride. Out of these attendants, these five-fold ministry gifts, you see three things happening. You see traveling. This is the, all you see in Scripture. So when you hear someone has a title or position in the church, it comes from one of these places in the Bible. It comes from traveling ministers. These are where the five-fold ministry gifts, those apostles, prophets, where all those guys fit in. They're either traveling ministers where they're going from local church to local church doing ministry, but, they're, but they are still connected to their own local church. I am very, very afraid of someone who has a powerful, gifted ministry and is not in a local church. I'm very afraid of those people, and they don't get to minister at DCF. So if you ever see someone preach from the front here, they are part of a local church, I promise you, because that's a safety net both for them and for their church, and it also releases their ministry. So you have traveling ministries, and then in the local church, you have two very specific ways of doing these ministries, and one is local eldership, and the second are local deacons. And we're going to talk about that kind of as we move forward. These leadership roles exist to serve and help, help you be equipped for the ministry that God has called you to. I have my own personal ministry that God has called me to. I also have the five-fold ministry that God's called me to in the role of an elder, okay? So I have those responsibilities, but I also have to lead my own wife, right? She doesn't call me Pastor Dave at home because that's weird, okay? <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm not even going to, I don't even want to go there. The point is, I have to lead her as a husband, as a man. I have to have a walk with Jesus that is worthy to lead a woman of that kind of capacity, and I struggle all the time to do it, I promise you, right? She, She outstrips me in a million ways. But God has challenged me to lead us as a family. It doesn't mean I don't hear what God says through my wife. It doesn't mean I lord it over. It doesn't mean I do anything. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if I do it right, I'm laying my life down for her. I'm taking any authority that God has given me. And you see this picture in the eldership and the fivefold ministry gifts. Any authority that God has given has been given to serve you and to lift you up, never to tear you down. That's what Paul said. Super important that we understand because this message this morning is not just about eldership. And eldership teams and how we do five-fold ministry, it's about how we handle and administrate authority and take responsibility for what God has called us to. And everybody gets to do that in one form or fashion. So what does this look like, big picture? You see it right there. And then I want to focus today, we'll talk a little bit more about deacons, but I want to focus today on eldership in a local ch- church, okay? So the first thing to understand is it's, it, the Bible says it's a noble task. It's a a very interesting, it says, here's a trustworthy saying. There were only about five sayings in, in the early church that Paul or one of the leaders said, this is a trustworthy saying. And most of the church had memorized these sayings. This was one of those sayings in the local church because it was that important to understand about how leaders work together in the body of Christ to fulfill the call of God on that local church, right? And so it says, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever, which means that anybody can step toward this role, right? Whoever... Um, Whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. It is is a really, really big stinking deal. It's a noble category. It's not a small, small thing to take responsibility for leading a local church. You have to walk in authority, but at the same time, you have to walk in humility. It's a tension between the two that you are always walking in that tension. When do I take more authority? When do I challenge? When do I bring uh, uh, invitation? And when do I uh, shepherd? And we're going to talk about this, and shepherd and care for people and go, I could kick them in the pants, but that's not what they need right now, (laughs) right? So learning that tension, how that works, often it's misunderstood. I can't tell you how many times somebody has has said to me how evil and hurtful I am because of what the last elders did to them. Okay? We see this all the time at DCF. People show up and go, I'm surprised they even came back to church. In all honesty, some people it's taken years for them to come back and plug into church because they were hurt so badly by unhealthy or broken leaders. And that happens all too often in the church. And we've got to change that. And that's part of our heart here at DCF is to bring people into leadership and and help people see that leadership in a healthy function is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to the the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And and another thing about it is it's always plural. I mention this because God loves team. God is team. In Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He literally is team. Even though He's a unity, He's still team. And then the first team was a husband and a wife. He's like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get people to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have people raise families. To do that really well, we better do that in team. Right? We don't, I mean again, if if you're a single person trying to raise a kid, you already know how hard it is. And Jesus will come along and he'll fill in the gaps, of course. But team was the way God designed for us to, to raise families. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, right? the 72, two by two. Never sent out anybody alone. As a matter of fact, there's this incredibly fascinating scripture in 2 Corinthians. It says, it's about Paul going to this area where he has an opportunity. He says, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, listen to this, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there, so I said goodbye." (laughs) Right. Think about that. He goes into there as an opportunity to preach the gospel, but because it's not in team, he walks away from the city and waits for another opportunity in another time. That tells me how valuable, I hope you understand this, how valuable team is in anything you do, but especially in the leadership of anything. Leading your kids, leading an organization, leading the church, leading your family, why team is so valuable and so important. So one thing to understand about, about elders, especially elders, as they function in these five-fold ministry gifts, is everyone shares the responsibility and eldership team, but not everybody's equal. We're not equal in ability, in gifting, and responsibility, because sometimes we have like I'm I'm a a staff, what we would call a staff elder. In other words, I get paid to be an elder. But we're going to have two couples who get their paycheck from somewhere else, but they still have the responsibility to be elders. But doesn't it make sense that I probably carry more responsibility than they do from the day-to-day workings of the church because they just don't have the time? So it's helpful to understand that. Um, we don't, we're not all equal in service. We sometimes have young elders, uh, people who are new to eldership, and they're growing and they're learning, and that's helpful to understand. And uh, uh, some people who have been around for a little, a little while longer. One of the things you see in an eldership team is usually there's one, not usually, there always is one who is primarily accountable. If you're wondering about who that is at DCF, it's me. And it scares the living daylights out of me every single day. Because I am accountable for what God is saying to us as a church. So I, I pray and I think and I process and I, and I have discussion and we bring our team together and we constantly are talking, what is God saying? What has he called us to do? Because if we get this wrong, I bear responsibility for that. The team does too, don't get me wrong, they bear some responsibility, but primarily Jesus is going to have, come have a talk with me, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Here's how you see this. You ever wonder, like, how do you know how to do church, right? How, do you, how did we come about um, figuring that out at some point? Because that kind of stuff makes me curious. But here's a, a picture of this in the book of Revelation. It's Revelation 2.1. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus right? and then he says a bunch of things that he likes. And then he challenges him and said, this this thing I don't like. I want to talk to you about that, right? And if you don't do it, I'm going to come and take the the lampstand away from you. And that lampstand, this is the church in this area, right? He said, if you don't don't get this on track with what I intended for this church, I will remove the lampstand. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Just because Jesus removes a lampstand doesn't mean that the church isn't still there or the people. There are whole denominations that the lampstand was removed 100 years ago, and they don't know it. They are living. They're, they have a social gospel that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God, and it's, it's completely man-centered, but Jesus years ago has removed that lampstand from them. So we want to be careful because this is what Jesus says. I want to talk to this guy, this one messenger, and in the Greek, that's angelos, and it means one sent, a messenger, sometimes an angel, often an angel, but this was also used of John the Baptist. So it's, it, Jesus is saying, I want to talk to the, to the single guy in this church who I've made responsible and given authority to. I want to talk to you about this. And listen to what he says to this lead elder of the church, okay? Revelations 2, 3, and 4. He says, you have persevered and, and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That is commendable. Jesus is all about that. He encourages and, 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 and commends us as leaders. But listen to what he said. Yet I hold this against you. Jesus is holding something against a lead elder. <laughs> why? Because he is disconnected. We're going to get into this. He's dis- disconnected him because listen to what he says next. You have forsaken your first love. You stop talking to me and you're leading the church. Now think about that for a second. Why, if you're married this morning, why would you expect your wife to submit to you if you're not submitted to Jesus? That's... Helpful husband stuff <laughs> right there, right? Because my wife has no problem coming underneath the mission that, she, that, that I'm speaking over our life and she's speaking into our life and we're hearing God for And for me leading us into that mission, she has no problem coming underneath that mission. The question she's going to ask me though, what mission are you coming under? right? And so I've come under the mission of Jesus, and that's the only way I get to lead her. This morning, as a leadership in our church, the only way we can lead you is to lead you according to what your husband, your groom, Jesus, has spoken over you as a local church in this bride. That's the call that God has put on us. And he says, if you don't do that, I have something i want to have a conversation with you and talk to you about it. And if you keep, if you stop listening to me altogether, I'll remove the lampstand. I I can't be a part of something that you have disconnected me from. It's powerful. Another place is Acts 20 and 28. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock, which the Holy Spirit, listen to these words, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's why you can't appoint yourself. It's why we have apostolic, prophetic input, translocal input, because if you're appointing yourself, then the danger is that you have created your own kingdom and you're not serving someone else's kingdom. There's a funny thing about Jesus being the king. He actually thinks he runs everything, right? And and if we do anything in the kingdom that doesn't connect to the king, we don't have the kingdom. We have our domain, right? So we have to be careful of that. So let me just give you two scriptures, two primary scriptures regarding eldership and what that looks like. This is in Acts and in 1 Peter. So Acts 20, 17 and 18. If you'll listen fast, we'll get you out by lunch, okay? But you're going to have to listen fast because I've got a lot to cover. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders. This is the, I'm using some original language here, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. So from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus. So, so Paul is coming into the city that where he had planted a church, and they had been that he had appointed elders there. And the word was presbyteros, presbyteros, He says of the church. And when they arrived, he said some things to them as this apostolic, prophetic team coming in, speaking into that eldership team, right? And then uh, verse twenty-eight, a little bit. Uh, Further down, he says, Keep watch, Prosecco, over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. All that Paul did in their apostolic team was to come alongside and agree that God had made them elders over that church. Paul did not make them elders over that church. You understand? He didn't do that. All he did was recognize that God was doing it, recognition and revelation that God was in this, and he agreed to it and put, it, put them over the church, and the church recognized those guys as elders. That church, by the way, at one point in church history, was said to have over 50,000 members. Now think about that for a, sec- a second. These elders, these guys he's talking to, were leading, at some point, 50,000 people. Now I'm, I would imagine that was a pretty good-sized eldership team, But if you're going to lead that many people, you're going to lead anybody. You need the input of the Holy Spirit. He goes on. He says, keep watch over yourselves. Um, The flock the Holy Spirit is giving you. Be shepherds, poimeno, of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He keeps bringing it back to This is not your church. I hate it when pastors say, my church. I'm okay with it if they're taking ownership of the role God's calling them to. I hate it when they think that it belongs to them because you guys, as much as I love you, you do not belong to me. You belong to Jesus. You have one Lord and one Savior. So in 1 Peter, you see the same thing to the elders. Presbyteros among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, same word. He says, I know what I'm talking about. I'm an elder in the Jerusalem church. Even though he was one of the 12 apostles, he also was an elder in that local church. He goes on. He says, I was a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed Be shepherds. He's telling these guys, hey, guys, you've been made an elder. Here's something that you have to do with that eldership role. You have to shepherd people with it. He said, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, episcopeo, not because you must, but because you're willing. Now, think about that. If you have a pastor who is doing it because he has to do it, he feels like he has to, you do not want to be a part of that church. I promise you. You need to be a part of a leadership team that loves and loves the call that God's given them to to lead. He goes on, he says, uh, not pursuing dishonest gain, because you see that in churches nowadays, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you. Hear the the language. You don't get to lord your authority over those who have been entrusted to you. You hear that? It's such a dangerous place to be an elder if you don't do it biblically. Because God says, I am entrusting my bride to you. And I want you to pay attention about what that looks like. So there's one office, but two functions. So those words that came up, presbuteros, an elder who serves or presides over assemblies. Episcopos, or episcopeo is another way of saying it. An overseer, a bishop, a guardian, or superintendent. Prosecco, to attend, to be attentive, to care for, to provide for. Poimeno, to tend as a shepherd, as a supervisor, to feed, to rule. And prostimi, to rule, be over, stand before, in rank, to preside, or to practice. The whole idea in the picture is that there's there's one office of eldership. You see this often, I'm going to get to this in a minute, but you see this often where it turns into a hierarchy. And you have bishops, and you have pastors, and you have shepherds, and you have you know flunkies or whatever's next. I don't even know what's next, right? But you you turn it into a hierarchy. Or you have a pastor, a single guy at the top who's incredibly gifted, who leads a church, and everybody else in, in the church is underneath him. And he dominates the church. And it's a dangerous place. So there's one office called eldership in this role to govern. But there's two functions. One is to oversee and the other is to shepherd. So I just, I'm not going to cover a lot of this because we're going to send some information out with a, kind of a white paper on this. But it's, it's helpful to understand that to oversee the, the word bishop. It means to to oversee, whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In other words, we're supposed to be watching out for you. This is the role that God has called eldership. I love it when somebody says, you you don't talk about me in the eldership meetings, do you? I'm like, all the time. All the time. We talk about you all the time. We do. You know why? Because we have been entrusted with your care. And so we look at it and say, hey, how are they doing? What's their marriage looking like? What, it seems like they were having this struggle. Somebody's sick over here, and they're going through this. We have these conversations, not just in our eldership meetings, but all the time. We can't help it. How's so-and-so doing? Where they, they haven't been in service in a few weeks. What's going on? Are, you know, are they sick? Are they out? Have they been traveling? What's going on? Because we know if they stay disconnected for very long, the enemy is going to take advantage of them because they're no longer in a flock. They're a sheep off by themselves in the mountains, and that's where wolves hunt, Right? And so we, we, see, we oversee, episcopus bishop, overseer, uh, a man charged with the duty, duty of seeing that things to be done by others are done rightly. In other words, we want to make sure that our grace teams are led well. We, we challenge, you know, Rodney, you see Rodney up here leading worship. We have conversations all the time about the kind of songs we sing. Do they fit with the, the, the call of God in our local church? To be transformed, are they transformative songs? Are they challenging you to grow and and let Jesus change you? Are are they full of grace, right? We don't sing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace because you're either a sinner or you're saved by grace, right? Pick one. You You don't get to be both. You can only be one. And so we talk about that often, and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, this declaration, creating this environment for the presence of God to exist among us. And then from that, we didn't know exactly what what was going to happen, but hearing the word of the Lord in prayer time and other people sharing, we come up, and, and Karen brings this, and she opens the service. Every single week, we open the service with what we feel the Lord is saying to this this morning. You can ignore that if you want, but it's a disadvantage to you if you do right? So we bring that out, and then Karen says, I want you to make a declaration. It needs to come to you. It needs to come from your lips, and you're sitting there going, don't tell me what to do. Man, <laughs> that's part of why you're struggling so hard, right? We're, we're listening. We're guarding. We're leading. We're saying, hey, take this step. I can't make that declaration for you. Man, if I could, I would, but I can't, right? So it's this overseeing, this watching out for, this challenging, this leading, to govern the local church, to exercise the responsibility to oversee, to preside, to command or lead. I mean, there's so many words. And sometimes you get pushback. I want to say this. some, some Often we get pushback into, okay, I, I, who are you? Who died and made you the leader of this church? Jesus did. <laughs> like it or don't like it, that's just the truth, Okay. Why is that important? Because oftentimes we come in and either we have a strong, I see the pushback come oftentimes when I sit down with someone who's a very strong leader and who's never had to submit to anybody because they are have such a strength in, in their own life, they're leading a company or they're leading an organization or they're used to telling people what to do and they're not often told what to do, <laughs> right? So there's often pushback and challenge. Why should I do what you say? Listen, if if I'm not asking you to submit to what your Lord is saying to you, ignore everything I have to say. But if what I'm saying to you is echoing what Jesus is trying to say to you, you need to listen and do it. That's what the Bible says, obey those who are over you in the Lord. Respect them and obey them, right? Sometimes pushback comes because you've been hurt by a leader. This one hurts me because I've both done this and had this done to me as a leader. And I just want to challenge you, if you've been hurt, I, I get it. It's going to take a little while for healing to come, right? It's always the picture for me of Jurassic Park when, when, <laughs> when the kids are up there and the, the, the dinosaur comes and eats the lawyer. And that's don't say anything because Alan is a lawyer, so don't say anything about that. But he eats the lawyer, and then they run, and they get down, and they get in this little uh, culvert and this pipe, and the guy, you know, the, the protagonist comes down, and the little girl's freaking out, and he's like, he left us, he left us, he left us, he left us. And you remember the words he said to them? That's not what I'm going to do. So there's a moment if you've been hurt by leaders where you're freaking out, man. You're going, they left us, they, left, they abandoned me, they hurt me. Maybe I was a jerk, but still. <laughs> they said some things, they did some things, they were totally out of line, they were very broken, right? I get it. But at some point, you have to start, stop freaking out saying you've been left and recognize that you have new leaders who are not going to do that to you. And I'm not perfect, and I'm going to guarantee that I'm never going to do anything wrong. That's ridiculous, but I am saying that we have a healthy team, and part of why we built this culture is so that you can be in a safe place to grow up into the fullness that God has called you to do. Why? Because there's an inheritance he wants to put in you and through you. You want to walk in blessing? Get on mission with God. You want to, you want to have everything that you need for life and godliness? Then submit yourself to the Lord, right? You, you want all the money that you need for life? Then get on board with the mission that God's called because provision is for the vision. You want God to provide for you, be part of the mission he's called you onto, and you're never gonna have to worry about money again. It's just how it works, right? Is this helping anybody? Anybody ever, is, I, I'm looking at you, and I'm like, sometimes I'm not sure, like, you know, am I saying something? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. You're gonna speak English. Anyway, so it takes courage and humility, not just from the leaders to lead you, but it takes courage and humility, especially if you have a lot of capacity to submit to those who are over you in the Lord. But God asks that of you, because it's to your advantage. The other part of that function, one office, right, two functions. The other part is to shepherd, and that's, you can sum that all up in love. There's so many times when, as a a leader, somebody's driving me crazy, and I'm like, dear God, when are they going to learn, right? You ever said this about your kids? Like, I have literally told you that 8,000 times. I'm just going to put my voice on a recording and just send it with you to school, right? (laughs) You've said this too. But you don't kick them out of the house. Well, most of the time. Sometimes you do. But you shouldn't, right? You don't kick them out of the house. Why? You love them. And you walk with them. and, And you help them. You want to kill them. You just don't. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's the same thing. That's, this whole thing is to keep watch, to love, to shepherd. It's like a mother who is concerned. You know, she's like, she I left my my, uh, my kid in kids' church and they were crying when I left, but it's a good thing and they're going to get blessed and they're going to make friends. It's awesome. But during the service, she's like, it's hard to focus because her heart is for her child. That's what eldership looks like. Our heart, when we hear people who are broken or hurting or people who have been broken and, you know, they've been they're broken because the people who broke them, were broken, right? And it's this long pattern of history in their life. They've been broken, so they, keep, they break other people. And the Bible says to restore, restore those people gently, carefully, with love, right? Because all of us have been there to some degree or another. So the problem of hierarchy, I already mentioned this, is that there's so often these, these modern churches with gifted leaders that l- let nobody in. And here's why this is so bad. Because when they dominate the leadership team, they dominate the church, Right? And if you, most people want to submit, they hear these things in Scripture. They, that, you know, we were told when I first got into ministry, we were told submit to those who are over you. Only that's not what that Scripture says. It submit, says submit to those who are over you in the Lord, right? And so it turns out you don't have to submit to unhealthy leadership at all, ever. It was like, I, you know, we talked about this morning, I'll take a stand. If the enemy says, hey, you have to submit to this stupid thing that the government is doing or the church is doing or the family is doing, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Well, that's going to cost you. Don't care how much it costs. Not doing it, right? There's something about that that rises up inside us, and that's a good thing. So let me just kind of wrap this up with just, I'm just going to go quickly through some responsibilities that we have as elders and then kind of, kind of end it there. So we talked before about God has a purpose for this church. Every In the heart of God, he plants a local church. In every local church, he has a heart for something that he wants to do, to restore. I mean, it's all you know the, the kingdom, it's all the gospel of grace, it's all of that, restoration and, and equipping you, and all those things are true of every church. But every single church he gives a theme to, he gives something specific I want you to go after. So for us, it's transforming lives. That's what we do. How we do it is through the gospel of grace and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and primarily a mature response. To the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we want to do that. we want to see signs and wonders. we want to see the, the manifestation gifts explode among among us and we're not always going to get that right but if we have healthy leadership in the church it's going to be all right because when something crazy happens, one we're going to, we're going to remember we're going to stand up and go hey everybody it's okay.' there's, there's a father in the house. we're good, right? I can't tell you how many times something goes a bit astray. Somebody shares a testimony, and they turn it into a sermon, right? And they they start going off, and they start talking about how God's going to get you if you don't straighten up or whatever. And I'm just walking towards them, right? I've I've done this so many times. I'm walking towards them, and I'm about to take the mic away from them. Everything depends on them in that moment what happens next, right? Because I have a black belt, and I can take a microphone away from most people because they don't think I'm dangerous because I'm old. <laughs> so I get to surprise them, right? So, but, but the authority that God's given me, I'm gonna walk in it. And so if they are damaging the church, if they are taking away from the, the intention that God has called this church to, those elders are gonna stand up and they're gonna, they're gonna become dangerous to the enemy. Does that make sense? So it's really important to understand how all this works. God has intention for, for this church. He has a heart. It's the first thing that elders do. The first responsibility is they are to hear from God. You would think everybody would know this, but I cannot tell you how many times I've sat with church leaders from other churches, and I said, so what, what are you guys doing at, at your church? Oh, yeah, we're doing this. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because it's in the lectionary. I was like, what the heck's a lectionary? I don't, I'm not even saying that. Lecter. No, what is it? Anybody know? Some of you Presbyterians, I'm sure you know. Episcopalians? Nobody? <laughs> you guys are just heathen, right? <laughs> That's your background. <laughs> The lot, there's, there are certain books that denominations put out that you're supposed to follow during the, whatever time of the year it is, right? Yeah, yeah, Book of Common Prayer, that's one specific, yeah. But they have all the, and it's listed. And if and if it's a certain time from, you know, from uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Pentecost, there's a certain message that you preach. This is what you do, right? So the whole thing is, well, I ask them, I'm like, well, what's God saying to your church? So they're like, what? I'm like, O-M-G. <laughs> you are so you are representing the king to his bride, and you have no idea what the king is saying. And sometimes I get to say that to them, and they're a little embarrassed. But mostly it's because that's what most of us were taught. We wing it and do our best. We're reading books. We're going to conferences. We're doing everything we can, can to grow the church. We do all these things. We do it because our favorite preacher online does it. That's what we do. But it's not how God called us to lead the church. He primarily called us to lead the church by hearing his voice. Do you know the way he primarily called you to lead your life, your family, your business, your organization? The exact same way, hearing the voice of God. That's our primary responsibility. There's so much that I can speak into these things, I just don't have time. The second thing is to administer it, to execute on the word of the Lord. My wife did that this morning during our worship time. The presence of God was here for a declaration. God could have come in a million different ways this morning. The Spirit of God could have manifested Himself in a different mood. It could have been contemplative. It could have been deep. It could have been challenging. It could be invitational. It could be a hundred ways that He came this morning in worship. But part of what He did was to come and say, I am calling you to take your responsibility as the, the authority in the earth. You have been given the keys to the kingdom. Use them. Declare these things take a stand and go, whatever the enemy is throwing and circumstances are coming against me, whatever that is, doesn't matter, I'm taking a stand. Why? Because the Lord came this morning, we heard his voice and he said, I want you to, to make a declaration. And Karen even asked you, how many of you guys did that? There's a reason why, we're not trying to just get you involved in the service, right? That's so childish. We're trying to help you recognize the king is speaking to his bride. And if you'll listen to what he's saying, it's the answer to every problem you have and he'll solve it. Right, so super important to administrate what God is saying. It's often not instant. Understand this. We have been working on certain things as an eldership team. David Woodham what was it? Several years ago, we went to David Whittem. I'm gonna pick on him for a second because he's coming on our eldership team. And we went to him and said, "Dave, feels like God's called you into leadership. See you as a deacon at this time. You know, you, what do you think?" And he was a single guy. He's like, "Absolutely." So we start these conversations. It lasted several months. We met for coffee at the at the coffee house many many times talk through deaconship and what that looks like and these concepts, and is that you, and is God called you, and how do you feel about this and your identity? Ah. And then we had the last coffee, and he says, I met a girl, and I was like, man, you just set us back at least a year, probably two. <laughs> and then he comes on board about two years later with his beautiful wife, Callie, and we look at Callie and go, we don't even like Dave, actually. We're so thankful that we have Callie now, Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking on you. But that's, that's the beauty of it because God knew what he was doing. And in that process, it took what now? And him, him and Callie now recognizing that they're called more to a governmental role or are, are moving from the deacon team to an elder. They're not getting promoted. That's not how that works, right? They're moving from a, this role to a different role because God is doing something different in their life now. And so they're stepping in this role. And again, a year, almost two years, we've been talking. They've been serving as deacons, and now they're coming back. Four years in the making. I, when I looked at Dave, I said, well, of course, that's what he's supposed to do. If he would just get it. I'm just kidding, Dave. <laughs> It's a process. It's not often instant. And, and nothing in your life is going to be like that either. Even a breakthrough. Karen talks about this all the time. talking about these spiritual gifts coming together to explode into your life and bring the grace of God into your life in every form and fashion so that you can walk in the fullness of your inheritance, but your inheritance is not for you. Stop being so self-absorbed and childish, right? That's what trust babies are, and nobody likes a trust baby, right? Trust fund babies are horrible because all they do is buy little dogs and carry around them in their purse, right? It's horrible. We don't want that. That's what you do with your money, right? They're they're abusing authority. Nobody likes that. So grow up in the thing that God's called you to. Step up. That's the call of God, to walk in the fullness. Become a mature son. It doesn't say son because it has something against women. It was the way an inheritance was moved from, from father to son. So become a mature son in the Lord, right? Why? So the inheritance of God can flow into you and then out of you. And if you get that wrong, you just run around going, why don't I have more things? right? And you get, you get bought into, you buy into the culture of the world rather than the culture of the kingdom. So be careful of that. It's not always instant. It comes sometimes with a lot of planning and discussion and all those. The Bible says that elders be example of the flock. I won't be long. Hebrews 13, 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their, their faith. So often leaders are imitated without you considering the outcome of their life. You want to know if Karen are doing well, look at our marriage. You think Karen and I never fight. So, you know, if you're immature, you fight. Some of you guys are like, what, wait, Karen and I fight? We have some of the most amazing fights. It's like, it looks like you know fireworks are going off in our cul-de-sac. That's how awesome our fights are. Now, look, we're not, we recognize if we do something wrong and we, we admit to it and, we, and we're like, hey, I'm, I, I need to ask forgiveness. I got a little strong there. I raised my voice. I shouldn't have done that. Whatever. But it's not that we don't fight. It's just that we fight in a healthy way. And we come out of it on the other say, side with resolution, Right? Somebody says, I, I, had, I remember hearing this from a couple one time, they said, we never fight. I'm like, oh my God, I am so running away from you because the first time you fight, all that stuff that's been pent up inside of you is going to come out in one fight. That's going to be a, a knockdown drag out, right? So you want to imitate. You want to imitate the faith of the leaders, but you have to consider their outcome. Here's another, another one, Philippians 4.9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me. Think about the boldness that it took for Paul to say this. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me Put it into practice. If you do, it says, the God of peace will be with you. If you do what I'm doing in my life, so if you're ever in a leadership setting where the leader says, do what I'm saying, but not what I'm doing, run fast. It's not a healthy place. Here's another one. It's to govern or to lead. There's a word called hegemon in the original language. Um, you see it in Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders right? The word for there is Hegemai. Obey your leaders, greet your leaders, so so many different places. But it literally means like for a shepherd to lead his flock out, but it's also spoken of of a general who leads his army out. So God tells us to govern. So let me tell you one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a protection setting uh, It it was a service up in Atlanta with one of the relating churches up there. We did prayer time in the mornings. There was probably 60, 70 people in this one room. We were all praying. Somebody new had come in. They were very prophetic, and they they started sharing a prophetic word for the church. Now, the role of the the church elders is to administrate what the Lord is saying. So if you come in and you have a prophetic word for a church, find an elder, share it with them, and then let them administrate it if they feel like it's what God's called them to do. But don't come and bring your prophetic word just because you're a prophet. Not helpful. God doesn't lead the church through prophets. He leads the church through elders. Understand that. God doesn't lead the church through people who give. So people with a lot of money don't get to lead the church with their gift. People who have compassion. They're like, but why would you be so mean to that person? It's like your, your gift of compassion is clouding your judgment. God has given the gift of leadership, I mean to eldership, to govern, not compassion, not any other gift. Right? You understand that. So it says, remember this, because sometimes you have to take authority. And so Greg, as the leader of the church is there, this guy begins to share a word. It's a little bit off base in terms of grace, because they understand grace as well. And so he says, sir, if you don't mind, I recognize that you have a prophetic gift. Would you mind maybe bringing that after this meeting? Come to us as elders. We'd love to have a conversation with you, and then see whether we can administrate this in the church, if it's, if it's something we feel is, is from the Lord. That's what he said. The guy said, you're, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. And Greg very calmly said, I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit, I'm quenching you. Now listen, I promise you, you've never felt more safe than in that meeting. Because what you just saw was, it's a legitimate prophetic gift, but it's not submitted to anybody or anything or anywhere, right? Which means it's dangerous, even though it's valid. Understand that. And what happened when he tried to bring that in and the enemy tried to use that person's True, amazing, powerful, high-capacity gift that was a bit dysfunctional to do damage to the body, that shepherd stood up and said, you do not get to do that. So let me just say a couple things as we get get ready to close. One of the most dangerous things um, in the church is a predator. Somebody who comes in, they walk in the door. You see it sometimes with if you got a church full of young women, it always happens. Some young guy comes in who's wearing a tracksuit or something. I'm just, <laughs> anyway, he's he's a player, you know, he's there. He's not there to worship the Lord. He's there to, hey, hey, yeah, you know, right. And so when when I see him, it takes about two seconds to recognize he's a predator. Usually he's an idiot predator, but still he's a predator, right? So I just go, hey, listen, man. Don't don't know what you're interested in, but you're not gonna find it here. So Unless you're interested in Jesus, you want to move on and on, on, going down the road, right? And so easy to spot, dangerous, but easy to spot. The next thing that's even more dangerous than that is a sheep who is contagious and sick. Because sheep sicknesses are often contagious. Bitterness, um, sexual immorality, um, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different things that if, you cap, if that's in a person, if you're not careful, that begins to work into the small group. And then the small group out, it begins to happen, and it happens very quick. And so what we do as shepherds is we come along and go, hey, we want to kind of pull you aside and speak to this a little bit, help you out a little bit, do you understand what's going on? And, and if they recognize it, the Bible says restore them with gentleness. So we do, and often that's, that's, that problem is dealt with, and then we have to go sort out all the problems and the sickness that they, you know, that they created. The worst thing, the most dangerous thing in a church, and this is why I'm talking about this, and if you don't get anything else out of it this morning, understand this. The most dangerous thing in a church is a shepherd gone bad. Most of the time, shepherds have gone bad because they've been hurt so badly. They're not in team. They're not doing this in a biblical form or biblical way. So let me just take a second. For that person who has hurt you in a leadership capacity, because I I would imagine in this room with this many people, you guys have been hurt pretty badly in the past through leadership. Were they a shepherd that went wrong, or were they just broken and hurting? Because a shepherd by himself, becomes, it becomes overwhelming. It just becomes overwhelming. But at some point, hear me, at some point, if shepherds go fully bad, they begin to manipulate the sheep. They begin to take the affections of the bride to themselves and none to Jesus. They give Jesus lip, lip service, but they are drawing all the affection all the giving, all the direction, all the voice about where we're going begins to point to them and nobody else. And I'm telling you, there's some guys who are incredibly gifted at it, who raise up churches of thousands and thousands, and they go online and have incredible impact. But if you if you've heard this message this morning, and you understand how this works biblically, you will never be fooled by that again. We joke all the time with people who are coming into leadership I'm like, hey, I would really like to manipulate you and you know try to get you to do what I want you to do, but unfortunately, I taught you too much. <laughs> right? So now I can't manipulate you, and, and I, I can't even accidentally do it. They're like, what? What'd you ask me to do? Uh-uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's just a powerful thing. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a healthy thing. So one of the last last things is guarding. We just talked about that, what it looks like for a shepherd and the dangers. Feeding the sheep is another one. And lastly is is to kind of recognize ascension gifts. And so all that looks like is uh, on February 13th, we're going to have someone from Northlands come in, okay? Part of their eldership team, five-fold ministry gifting up there, they're going to travel to our church. And when they do, understand this, when they do, even if it's Greg, Greg was my pastor for three years He's one of the highest capacity men I've ever met. He's a phenomenal teacher. He speaks and leads all over the world. He led mega churches in other parts of the country that, you know, it's hard to lead a church. This guy is amazing in a million different ways. When Greg comes into this church, he submits to this eldership team. If Dave is, Dave's going to be on our eldership team, he's, he's in your early 30s, right, Dave? He's brand new as an elder. Right, so there's a lot of things he knows, he's already been doing it, and we've had a million conversations, so he's fine, he's ready to go. But even as a young elder, if if Greg walks into this church and begins to speak something, and he's the only elder in this room, and Greg is off base, he's going to come up here and go, guys, we love Greg, <laughs> Greg, we love you, that's that's wrong. That's, that's outside of grace. That's never going to happen. Grace, I promise you with Greg, that's not going to ever happen. But that's how the kingdom works. And when you understand that, we recognize these ascension-gifted leaders. When they come in, whoever it will be, they will be powerful. When Tyler comes, Tyler is one of the elders up there. When Tom comes, we have different people who come in, even from other relating churches. We're trying to open that up and bring more people in to bring their ministry into the body of Christ, right? To help help, uh, equip you from places where we might be lacking as a local eldership team. But all of those guys, when they come in, are submitted to this local eldership team. Here's why. The eldership in a local church is the highest form of government in that church. That means if they do it all wrong, there's not a lot you can do. You can pray, you can talk to them, you can hope, and you can try to bring some adjustment. But if they are bent on doing it wrong, the best thing you can do is say, Lord, can I leave yet? That's all you can do. But if they're doing it well, tuck in behind them, go, man, we're on board with the vision that God's called us to. We're so excited about where we're going. These ascension gifts are going to come in when, when, if it's Tyler or Tom or Greg who comes on the 13th and they come and speak, whatever they're bringing, they have been praying about it, seeking the Lord about what God wants to bring to DCF, to Dothan, Alabama, to this region, and they come with a word from the Lord. And when they walk away, as an eldership team, we grab hold of that, we listen to it, we take notes, and then we come and go, how do we take that that was opened into our church, maybe for the first time, This whatever this concept or this thing that the Lord is saying, how do we grab hold of that, and how do we build into that and administrate that, and maybe it takes six months or a year, or two years, but that's what we do, we build into it. It's helpful to recognize those gifts, but not to put them on a pedestal that's too high. Does that make sense? If we as an eldership team, Even though we're the highest form of government in the local church, you give yourself first to the Lord and then to us. That's what we do. My wife says that. I love you, Dave, but not as much as I love Jesus. And I love that about her because I feel the same way, right? And same with you. If we as an eldership team are leading you astray, you can walk. You can walk. We don't keep letters, so you can go to the next church and they'll just have to figure out whether you're you're good or not, right? Because we're not sending a letter going, they hurt us and we're mad or whatever. We don't do that. We trust that you're going to come in, you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to be a part of the vision, and you are ultimately going to relate to healthy leadership. So let me just end with this scripture. And I know I've taken a long time. Thank you for your patience, but I had to put it all together and bring it so you can understand how all this fits big picture all the way down into what is your role now when I've had this whole message about eldership, Right? like, Dave, you sure did talk a lot about yourselves, right? And But part of this is if you don't understand how we work, you don't understand the relationship of how you work with us. So there is no eldership like this. The Bible says submit to those who are over you in the Lord, but it doesn't mean over you in value. Understand this. It means over you and that they are bringing the word of the Lord to you. And if you're paying attention, it is no surprise to you when when we bring this. You go, you know, that's what I've been sensing and feeling too. And so it's easy to come alongside a healthy church leadership and that that overseeing and that shepherding all that stuff is, is less like this where one is on top of the other and it's more like out front because that's one of the words about eldership that literally means to stand in front it means to take the brunt it means the first ones to serve are the eldership team the first ones to sacrifice the eldership team they're the ones who are giving they're the ones who are serving they're the ones who are going to sacrifice and come and, and minister to people even when it's really really difficult they're going to do that why? because they're supposed to be out front leading through serving and imitating giving you something to imitate. But at some point, hear me, you have to take your place in the local body of Christ. Whether that's here at DCF or anywhere that God has called you to, is to plant yourself by the river of life, right? Where the river of God is flowing is through the local church. God's doing all kinds of things everywhere, but primarily he is winning the world through the local church. You need to plant yourself into a local church If you believe in the leadership team and the elders of this church have have been called to go this direction and that resonates with you as a local believer, as a a believer, as a family, then you submit yourself to that direction and that team and then you bring your strength to the body because there's so many things I can't do that you can and it's not around, built around one guy and his amazing gift. And look at the sparks flying from his fingers. That's ridiculous, right? That's never been the truth of the gospel. And leaders have always come in and said, I want to pour my life out for the sake of the bride. There's nobody, I don't know anybody who loves the bride more than my wife. She prays for I mean, I can't even begin to tell you some of the things that she does. And I've seen her misunderstood and hurt. Because they're like, you're just, why are you telling me, I don't, want, I don't necessarily want to do what you're telling me to do. She's like, man, I've spent hours in prayer. And, and, and I've loved you and I've, I've sacrificed. And you know that gift that you got that one time of money and, and nobody told you who it came from? That came from Karen, right? <laughs> and her heart is for that and she could be misunderstood. But the whole thing is if you don't find maturity and wholeness through what we're bringing to you and and receive the inheritance and begin to use it, then all you guys are ever going to be is a bunch of babies and toddlers who never do anything for the kingdom. Right? And that's not what God's called you to. He's called you to be powerful. So let me just, this scripture, this is so powerful. Listen to this. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. (laughs) That's hard to hear in America. We're like, you don't understand. America, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right? we're a democracy, right? Everybody gets a voice. Well, we're supposed to, right? But this is not a democracy. This is a kingdom. And the reason you obey, listen, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Who are we accountable to? We're accountable to the one who is speaking what, his word over you as his bride. We have been called as attendants to come and serve and, and bring you to strength. And lastly, it's this. It says it this way. Let them do this with joy. Let the elders and these fivefold ministry gifts, let these leaders, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The relationship that you have with the leadership team of a church is that whatever God is bringing through us, recognize it as from the Lord. If it's not, find another church. Honestly, find another church and plug into it. If you don't like my personality, but God's called you to stay here, you and I are just going to have to learn to get along, right? Because the Bible says when they bring it, I'm bringing this because I'm accountable to what the Lord has said. And so God has called us. One of the words over our church recently is, uh, on your mark, get set, go. And on, your mark, and on your mark is going to be some time for preparation. The get set, go is going to be launch time, right? So part of that is to equip you guys for the work of the ministry. So are you signed up for a grace team? Are you serving? If not, why not? Why aren't you? Deal with that issue. If you haven't signed up for a grace team at DCF, why aren't you doing that? Have a conversation. Man, I need some healing. Great. Have a conversation with us so that we can help you find that healing. What about small groups? Uh, I don't like small groups. I don't have time for small groups. You don't have time not to be in a small group, right? It's one of the ways God works through. This is how God, why? Because this is what God has told us. This is what we do and how we are building. So we're asking you guys to submit and be a part and bring your strength. And I promise you, when we do this, I stood here last night, I came in here and I prayed and I stood right here, only I stood facing this direction sideways. And the reason I did that is it because I'm envisioning the next phase of growth for our church. I'm envisioning knocking this back wall out and going that direction with it. Because it's the easiest thing to do, by the way. It's the easiest thing to do. That means we turn the, everything sideways, right? And now it goes this way, and all of that is also over here. And that, that's just doubling the church. But I've been in churches where that can happen within months, right? Our our passion is not to grow a bigger building. We don't care about buildings. We'd love for everybody to be in the same room when we meet, but we can have two meetings. We can do that here and double the size of the congregation. We can do that and quadruple it if we go out that way and invest in that. But that takes you giving. That takes you serving. That takes you being involved in small groups. That takes you committing. That takes you receiving edification, encouragement, and challenge, and rebuke, and admonishment to grow up into the mature person that God has called you to be. Now, I don't want you to feel like we're beating you up because we're not, but we are challenging you. We're challenging you to say, it is time. It is time for you to take your rightful place as the bride of Christ, to the eternal consort of the king. You are called to, co-heir, to be co-heirs and co-labor with Jesus, who is the king of the universe, to come in and bring the influence of the kingdom to bear on your sphere of influence. I cannot do that for you. And you cannot do that for me. So take your place, your rightful place, as the bride. Because you want to know how important you are. Look who's serving you. Jesus and the attendants of the bride are serving you to release into you the fullness of the inheritance that God has for you. Amen. I hope this has challenged you to the core of your being. And I hope you step up to the plate and bring about all the inheritance in your life that God wants to bring whether that's in this local church or another one, but I just want to encourage you. It is time to see God do what he called us all to do. Amen? Stand with me. I want to pray for you. And again, thank you guys for your patience. I know I've gone long, and I I try not to do this, but I really needed to get this all in in one service, so thank you for your patience. So, Jesus, we love you, and we say thank you so much, Lord. Um, Lord, you, you had this beautiful picture where you would leave attendance to the bride, Lord, to to equip her, to serve her, to love her, to increase her, Lord, to to make her beautiful and prepare her for your presence, Lord. Prepare her for the work that you've called her to. And so, Lord, thank you, first of all, as an elder for that privilege, God. I really understand it and see it that way. Thank you, Lord, for that incredible honor, that trust that you've put in me and the other elders and, and deacons in our church. Lord, thank you, though, most of all for the bride, Lord, she is beautiful, Lord. And the enemy tries to lie to her and tell her she's not. Lord, maybe there's are some areas that she needs to grow in. But Jesus, you see who she fully is. And you believe in her and you have, you've done everything that you can to equip her to become all that she was meant to be. Lord, help us to believe that truth and to walk in it fully. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning if you need prayer our team will be up here we'd love to pray for you about anything if you're online you need to prayer just go to our website click on the button called prayer and we would love to pray with you as well have a wonderful week we love you guys